1: Good afternoon everyone, welcome to the Royal Blue Podcast and the latest edition is uh, possibly not going to be as upbeat and positive as the last one I'm afraid. Uh, obviously we're going to focus largely on Saturday, the FA Cup defeat at the hands of Leicester and the subsequent fallout which has been interesting to say the least. It's me, Greg O'Keefe, the Echoes Everton editor, and with Phil Keck-Bride, Everton correspondent, Gav Buckland and Tony Scott. You've probably seen trying to avoid fists and uh, he- curled up echoes and <laughs> half-eaten kebabs outside Goodison Road after a game when he's trying to film to get everyone's reaction to the games. Right, let's start with you to because I think I can sense you're about to erupt to my <laughs> left. Um no one was in a good uh, frame of mind after that, that game and still aren't. But what's your thoughts on the match itself? The match itself it looked as if
2: it was it was going nowhere. We had it in the bag, didn't we? After as soon as we took the um we took the lead and you think that, that's it but we hop on back to the, the Merseyside derby again the strength and depth in the squad and we're bringing Aruna Kone on here like we did we're bringing Calvin Lewin on It's, it's, it's you're feeling sorry for, for Ronald Koeman his hands are tied with the squad that he's got yet yeah, he's squeezing every ounce of effort out of the players that he's got but it is simply not good enough now we go back to the Merseyside derby what did we bring on Calvin Lewin Liverpool bring on Daniel Sturridge they get the winner now Let's go back to Saturday again. We bring on Runa Kone, they bring on Musa, and he scores two goals. I'm afraid just that's just a difference, because there's not an in-them game. There's not an in the Everton Liverpool one. There's not an in the Everton Leicester one. But that extra bit of quality off the bench that Ronald Koeman wants, he hasn't got. And that, that
1: was the sole difference between the between the game. Strength and depth, Gav. Has uh, Tony got a point there? Uh,
0: strength and depth, I certainly affected. I know what you're saying about the Everton. That's the game. I think the Adam Liverpool game was a slightly different thing. I think we were under cost there in the second half, for Amy, So I'm not sure whether that fits in well there. But I know what you're saying about Saturday. I think the problem with me for Saturday was the, the the lineup of the team, or more like the, the way they were set up. Um, that on face value, it looked as though we had like eight, eight players who'd played the previous game. But actually, when you look at the outfield players, out of the 10, I think only five of them were filling the same positions as what they were against uh, Southampton. Um, and there was two two positional changes within that, which were Coleman to sort of wide right midfield or whatever you would call mm. that, and Barkley to to wide left. And I think that disrupted the uh, sort of um, the pattern of the team. Uh, Haven't played reasonably well in the second half against Southampton, um, and it meant but um, Coleman and Holgate just didn't work in the first half. They did it for a number of reasons where they were getting each other's way, and I think. Um, you know, it it's it's a big jump to go from four back to right midfield, even though Coleman started his career there and, and that showed to me on, on Saturday. Uh and that affected Holgate's game and, and if you watched Everton over the last eighteen months or so, you know that Barkley may be many things but the wide left midfielder he, he ain't. Um and I think um that um you know that start the way the team was set up didn't help us. Um and that affected us in, you know, during the game and, and loss was, was, going back to your point, yeah. out, I mean, I, I know what you're saying, but Watts was taken off, wasn't he? You he weren't doing like, much though, was he, Gav? Well, that's what I mean, but, he, you know, Barry was still on the pitch, wasn't he? I mean, well, that's one of the things that supporters have picked up on, have A lot of, when I
2: spoke to the fans outside the ground after the match, and they said, why was Gareth Barry left on the pitch for 19 minutes, treading water? No, no, no I know no, 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 the answer I gave. decision of,
1: of, of someone you feel sorry for? Yeah, yeah but the thing is, is that what's
2: his alternative,
3: Come on, who's, who's on here's, that bench? Who's on that bench? To... Here's, here's one for you. The conspiracy theorist. He's one. He's one to add to it. And I can't take credit for sort of, you know, maybe all of this, but you know, as you've mentioned there, Michael Ball in his column yesterday and this morning, you've seen it. He he said he couldn't understand at all why Barkley was brought up for Coney, but just while you were talking there, I just came to me. I just wondered, has Ronald done it to make a point? Has he gone? Right, I need a striker to come on the, onto the pitch here to, to really jump-start this, this game, get us back into it. And I'm going to make a point that the only striker I've got available is a Runa Kone. That's cutting your nose off to spite your face. Well, I don't point. know, I'm just asking the question.
2: Well, it's like saying Klopp played all the under-23s. To prove a point that his squad's not good enough. I don't
1: know. It, you know, <laughs> I think uh, you yeah, don't do bad yeah. against
2: an
0: that, F. That's hurting the football club more than your own self-pride. I, I think that's a fair point, So. But I also see Phil's point. I mean, there's at least one former Liverpool manager who's an expert to that. Uh, my Liverpool supporting friends told me, um, and um, I, I, there's a point. But it, 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 Tony's right. It just shows you, you know, our lack of strength and depth, um, which was which was was there, and also, you know, dare I say what was shown in the in the you know Commons afterwards about how, how you know urgently that needs to be addressed.
2: No, no, no what? Something surprised me. Well, it doesn't anymore now. Is that we lost in the derby a couple of weeks ago 1 0, last minute, killer. Interviewed the fans after the whistle. Oh, it's one of them, used to it now. And we got knocked out of the cup in the first round again. And I interviewed the fans. Oh, it's one of them. And it's just another year goes on 23 years. I'm thinking, how long is this going to go for? I'm just accepting it. I'm thinking. I'm thinking, this is why. I don't know what it is we need to change, but everyone's just come accustomed to losing now. I don't know whether it's the boards, the fans, the players, the manager. We're just so accustomed to, oh, well, it's one of them. 23 years, we go again. We'll lose next year's derby. We'll lose another cup game, and we'll go on for 24 years and 25 years. It's it's sad that we're accepting it. And I wonder if, if Liverpool, Tottenham, Man United, Manchester, all these teams that Everton aspire to be or be, be amongst the category of, if Manchester, all them teams were knocked out in the first round of the FA Cup at home to Leicester, and if they were losing last-minute winners in uh, last-minute, if they were losing last-minute games against the derby rivals every single season, the fans would be up in arms a lot more, and the the balls would be up in a lot more. I think that the whole responsibility on the football club needs to change, and I don't know what it is. Yeah,
0: Paul. Let's listen to last week's pods. I don't think people accept it, and that's why there was so much posit- posit- positivity. I hate that word. It always reminds me of the Spice Girls for some reason. You know? <laughs> um, but, you know, th- you know what I mean? It's like that's why there was so much you know, goodwill and, and around last week's um, general meeting, wasn't it? Because people saw a way from that of, of addressing those sorts of last minute defeats, getting knocked out in the cup in the third round as a way forward. If people were blasé about it, they just wouldn't really pass any comments about the, the general meeting. The fact that they see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel indicates to me that people still do take it to heart and don't like getting beat in the third round. They don't like losing derbies.
2: Well, why have we come accustomed to this for so long then? It's the norm now, isn't it? We get knocked out of the third round. Well,
1: we don't
2: it, we do Last-minute failures every single year. It's been going on for far too long.
3: But, but this goes back to when we, when we had the same conversation after the derby. This isn't this th- that twenty two. You know, we're talking about a new era now, aren't we? So it's the start of a new era. It's going to hopefully change it. So, yeah, we've become accustomed to it. You say, and fans say the same. But that's but that's what was before this. This team is being changed. This club is being changed. So come back to me again in another 22 years, and if they have the same response, <laughs> then we've got a concern. Pro- yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I know what you mean. That's, it's
1: a valid point that you make. The problem Everton have got, and, and Fard Machiri has got, is you can't quite so easily truncate people's emotional <laughs> football-following lives and say, right, un- underwrite, write off all that ups and downs, mostly downs, well, all like, those you- disappointments, all those hardships you've faced an Evertonian, and just wipe the slate clean you may never have seen yeah. Everton win a trophy in your life, lifetime wipe the slate clean and go to reset the calendar to year FM Fard machinery and off we go people can't quite hmm. so easily do that and that's why I think we go from the elation of the general meeting to the frustration of not getting deals over the line by the second week of January go,
3: but going back to the, to the disappointment the t- you're not going to change that though equally is he, in one in one, one six month period so, but it's, it's double-edged sword, isn't it? You,
2: what do you do It's, di- it's difficult,
3: and it's, you know, it's far too long, but I think the fact that the new investors are on board, a new manager with ambition, and new, you a new feel about the place, generally speaking, that, that situation aside, you've got to feel, you've got to look forward more, I think. That, that's, that, that's the key, because... But
2: don't they need to see that, Phil? They need to see three or four £25 million signs. Well, they,
0: they need well, to yeah, see course, the all this. Because the team needs, well, the team needs to get better obviously but they're not seeing it no, well, not, well, well, not at this very moment no obviously time, but there's still time and you know we've we said all along there's a couple of transfer windows to uh to look you know to address that i mean i was trying to think of an analogy about where we are at the moment so i'm just thinking about it uh, but a bit like moving house it's like we sold our old house if you're talking about the squad and the, and the team we sold our old house in 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 the august We've been living in temporary accommodation <laughs> up until like the first week in January. <laughs> the first week in January, we've moved into a bigger, better, brighter house, but unfortunately, needs a hell of a lot of renovating. Before we to, get to get it the waterside apartment, <laughs> <laughs> to get it right, I'm and I still got that, some of the old furniture. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, so you might go back to your analogy. We you might be able to still look at our old home, but we're living in our new home, but it needs a hell of a lot of renovating for us to, yeah. to get it right <laughs> and, and, and to. Be comfortable, and I think that's the best analogy I can, I can draw that with all you know, associate with where, where we stand at the moment.
2: Well, uh, just drawing back onto that, the, the final eleven that finished the game, there was one Ronald Koeman. Does not say a lot. The, the the hands he's been dealt with is just full of David Moyes,
1: dead Woods mm-hmm. and Roberto Martinez signs, isn't it? I think, I think Everton are going to the you know the board and um, Ronald Koeman and Steve Walsh are going to face growing pressure. The longer the wait for for new uh, recruits it goes in January because of what we've just discussed here the summer again there was mitigation it, it was a new system it didn't go to plan. People have said all along January has to go we've all said it you know, adding for an item January has to be smoother, things have to happen earlier, despite the excuses about it, it's not a very good window to work in, and we're sensing things aren't going quite as as Ronald Kim would like so I think fans are entitled to feel frustrated and especially when it's compounded by results like Saturday, where you effectively get the only real significant hope of doing anything this season to make it memorable or to make it feel like a special season extinguished in such a lackluster fashion. You know, without kind of dwelling too much on the game because we've all probably poured over that or, or not. Some people probably didn't even wanna want to watch match today. Phil, I just wanted to check what you thought about Ronald's assertion that Tom Davis was the best player on the pitch. I wasn't really sure he was. I think he, was, he certainly didn't play badly, lots of no. plus points. But I rather think he was trying to make a point by yeah. singling him out there.
3: Yeah, no, I agree. I thought Tom had a decent game. I didn't think he was necessarily, you know, if that's the manager's opinion, that's his opinion. But I suspect, as you say, he was perhaps trying to reinforce a point that in inverted commas, the best player on the pitch was a young lad making his fourth ever Premier League start. As you say, I thought Tom had a decent game. I thought he played better in previous weeks, but whatever. You know, it's not it's not a criticism of Tom. You know, he's he's a young. I've learned his way, and and you know, and deserved to play. But I think he was used as a highlight to highlight the issues more so than anything.
0: Yeah, yeah like said, I said. So it was not a half time. Mm-hmm. It fell about Tom Davis, and I, and I think um, I think it's probably only a temporary measure because, like, obviously McCarthy's out, and there's no a guy on for obvious reasons on on Saturday, but I don't see him. His future is playing in front of the, the back four. I don't think he's mature enough, and it, it, um, his skill set is more, I think, for playing further up the pitch. I think he's a, he's a risk player, isn't he? You know, the type of balls he plays and that mm. type of stuff where, where he, he'll try and, like, you know, play somebody in and take a risk. It might not always come off, but when it does come off, you know, it's real danger there. And I think you can do that playing further up the pitch. Mm. If you play that game further, further towards mm. your own defence and you get caught out. Then I think you, you know you you you're placing everybody at risk, and I I, th- I think his natural position for me is as one of the three behind the striker, or if you're playing four three three, mm. maybe one one of the three. I don't think there's many there's not many eighteen year olds who play in front mm. of the back four, is there in any any yeah. team? And I think what we saw on on Saturday and also the previous week, hopefully, is just a temporary temporary thing because of an absence of bodies in that that area. I think. You'll see him when he's most effective further
2: up, up the pitch. What we learned then, Greg, from maybe only two or three weeks ago, that Ronald and said that some of these youngsters aren't good enough to play for the first team yet. Yeah. yeah. three weeks later, he's saying Tom Davis is the best player on the pitch. So obviously something's amiss. Something's not right there for me.
1: I suppose it's it's going somewhat to underline the point that you made at the start of the podcast, that is options at the moment. Mm. Uh, dwindling in some degree. You know, he, he needs... Uh, James McCarthy is continuing to be a, you know, a really kind of frustrating absence because what we really ideally wanted was him to slot straight into Idrissa gay's boots while he was off with Senegal and the African Cup of Nations. That's not happened, so he's, he's having to rely on Tom. And I agree with Gav, a position that's not really what where an 18-year-old should be playing. Dominic Calvert lewin I agree with you. So, you know, he's coming off the bench to try and change the derby. It's just not... It, it's not fair on the lad in a sense, and I don't really think he's at that level of having a sustained impact in the first team, if I'm really honest. Yeah. Phil No More, he watches the under 23s um, most weeks. So, again, it brings us back to, for me, to this urgency to try and get players in. I mean, where we're at at the moment, obviously, just to underline people who've been living underneath a rock the last week or so, um, Adam Luckman. Uh, a 19-year-old, 18, 19? 19, 19. 19. year old is the only incoming player so far. Um And Schneiderlin uh, appears to be dragging a little bit. Uh, from what we understand, they haven't agreed a fee yet with, with United. Uh, and Memphis Depay, likewise. Well, take your pick. Initially, we understood that Everton wanted to sign him permanently. Uh, there's some suggestions now that they want to loan him. What we understand, Phil, that United... Aren't going to sanction any loan to Everton certainly no. to another Premier League club, so I suspect Everton are going to get short shrift if they try and you know persuade United or try and ask for a loan. So what concerns me, and it's a point I made on Saturday when Phil and I were talking back here after the game, is there's a look Everton don't have to make their dealings public, and the media don't have to understand what's going on. That's not uh, something that Everton's concern really. But my concern is that Everton's transfer policy and and the clarity of which they're communicating, not with the media, other clubs, and at the moment I'm not convinced that things are happening as smoothly as they should be. I'm concerned that it could be a bit more streamlined. I think you've got still that newness of structure, director of football, manager, chairman, chief exec, uh, and then Mishiri somewhere in the Mm. middle of all that. I'm concerned that that's not helping things move as quickly as they should. To me nothing's changed since the summer. Nothing's changed.
2: Why are we dragging this out? It looks to me as if Morgan Schneider and it's two million, three million tops which Evan are aggling over now. This is a this looks to me as if it's Ronald Koeman's number one priority player. That's who he wants. Now we're dragging our heels because XY M Man United's one twenty four million, Evan willing to pay twenty two whatever it is. Pay. What what what's the difference? Why not pay it? Now, Man United can easily say to Everton, well, I'm not being funny, if you don't want... If you don't want we've set you how much we want. Now, if you don't want them, fine. We can sell them to West Brom if they want to bid 24 million for them. If not, we can let them rot in our reserves. It's fine by us. We're one of the richest clubs in the world. Fine. Oh, you want Memphis to pay? Well, you're paying that for them. Now, if you don't want them, we're not loaning you to them. Why should we loan him to them? Someone else in Spain or Italy will pay that money for them. So why would they do that? They're Man United. The, the ball's in their court there. They, they, they're the richest club in the world, one of them. So, why, why are they willing to lose money for Everton? And Everton are desperate to sound players. Do you know that? Do you know Everton want any kinds of decent player that's going at the moment? So, why should they lower the value of one of a sellable asset like Morgan Schneider? Do you know Everton are desperate? Pay the money, pay two million, whatever it is. It's absolutely stupid what Everton are doing. And if they lose them, all they'll break loose with the fans.
3: You know what's slightly conflicting about Everton's. Um, apparently, anywhere they're thinking is that in the summer they went and paid top whack for Yannick Balassi Now, it 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 leads back to the assumption you can't sort of ignore that Yannick Balassi was con- was picked by consensus. Yet yeah, we 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 all agree we need Yannick Balassi or a player like that. They want twenty five million upwards of twenty eight. Yet yeah, we'll pay it. It brings you back to the to the inescapable feeling. That not everybody's completely sold on spending £22 million on Morgan Schneiderling. Yep, hence, no. hence why we are at this point where he's not in the door as the manager wants and why everything are haggling over the last few million or so. But it's just
2: the same people who are willing to pay £30 million on Sasoko on the last day of the
0: transfer window. Yeah. It
2: doesn't make sense. Serious. It seriously doesn't well, make
0: sense. It, it makes sense. And going back to Greg's point, though, doesn't it, about the governance around the transfer? Can't one say committee? You know, both you know, the <laughs> government side, the transfer uh, you know, dealings. Well, yeah, this is a sense, isn't it? It's, it's, it's who ultimately at the club says yes or no. Just what we'd love to know. So, you know, this is you know this you know well, and,
3: uh, without without sort of putting without making it too sort of crude. You, you I'm, 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 expecting that Farhad's shi- signing yeah. the check. So ultimately, it is his cash. You know, it, you know, all goes into the pot and whatever. But effectively, he's injecting the money which means we can be even in the conversation for players at this price. So effectively, I assume it's him, but Fahad doesn't strike me, although a very successful businessman, he's new to this game, isn't he? So I don't suspect he's going, no, yes, no, no, it's my decision. It's why he brought in Steve Walsh, it's why Koeman's there in the conversation, it's why Bill Kenwright's still part of the conversation. And perhaps, you know, again, we're trying to put ourselves in, in the boardroom, and maybe that is why you've got a split on certain players and perhaps
1: why there is this delay. What I would have liked, and we said it in the summer, I you know completely accept that transfers of such value, people of different seniority levels in the club or or top seniority levels all want to be invested in the decision and have a say. Why wasn't Morgan Schneiderlin and and Koeman, he hadn't decided two weeks ago, I wouldn't mind signing him, He's probably known that he'd be interested in Morgan Schneiderlin since maybe even the summer. He was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Why haven't they sat down in London or Liverpool and gone through these targets and listened to all the views and made the decision yes, no, before January? Why is it something that now is apparently a, a, a matter of um, disagreement? If they all agreed beforehand, and people might not have liked the, the answer, mm. that i.e. whoever didn't want him or whoever did want him, if they decided, no, nah, he's not for us, at least there's clarity to their plan. And if they don't want them, they can move on and talk yeah. to someone else. And if they do, go and get them. Yeah.
0: Well, but maybe that's what the decision was, that people didn't even decide that we're going to bid £19 million in the first week in January. Yeah. Look, that's, that's, that's the thing.
3: It's two-pronged, this. There's absolutely nothing wrong. And it's absolutely to be applauded that Mishiri and Everton now, with all this money, are not going to have the pants pulled down. Yeah. And absolutely, because we can't be made mugs off. But equally, we have got this money so there's definitely a feeling that we have to gamble a little bit. We will, make, we will have success with some players, but we'll also sign some duds. But that is going to have to be, unfortunately, in the short term, while Ronald tries to inject and jumpstart the team and inject it with quality to get it going again and lift them from this mid-table nonsense that we've had for two seasons, is that you're going to, we're going to hit, hit, make some hits, also some misses. And that, unfortunately, is going to have to be the way we operate. But... Equally, at the same at the same moment, try to be smart with the money, like by signing Luckman, trying to be clever and thinking long term. But equally, in the in fully in the in the knowledge that, yeah, we'll sign Gay for seven and a half million. He's been a major success. Let's just go and pay twenty two for Schneidlin. He might not be as good as we want, but we've we've got to trust trust the manager. Well, one person
2: probably doesn't agree with all that. Like, I know what you just said, Phil. Is that Ronald Koeman? We sense and different. Well, a different attitude from her, did the um, in the post-match press conference? Well, yeah. we, asked them, we asked them about Morgan and Memphis Depay, and it
1: was two stubborn answers. See the board, see the board. Well, he said, I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Um, we'll, we'll come back to Koeman. Mm. All I'd, well, and I suppose touching on that, you're absolutely right. They don't want to, and it's to be commended, that they don't want to set a precedent mm. of being had off. Yeah. But you could argue in relative terms, overpaying by 2 million in this day and age isn't really being had off. My fear is that there's still a bit of a culture, and again, I'm sorry to people who've watched the video we did after the game, I don't want to repeat myself, but there's still a bit of a culture of um, d- deal-making in the extreme, trying to shave costs down to a really what you could turn around and say was a great deal, which served Everton ever so well under David Moyes when they had a very small budget and they brought in players like Tim Cahill Lescott, Steele's brilliant. Everton are operating in a different financial world now yeah. and with different aims.
0: Yeah, and the, point, the other point to say on that is when did they buy and was it? In the summer of 2015. 2015. so since there's been a major jump in transfer fees in that time. so twenty Buying them for £22 million now is probably the equivalent of buying them for 24 £25 million then, isn't it, really, mm. to think about because of the, the ramp-up in transfer fees last year because of all the TV money we've spoken about before. So you're not you're not exactly comparing like we like, comparing the 22 against the 24. So I, I'd say that. I, I, do, I do think just just one point. And I think Tony touched on before, and tying with Phil's piece from Saturday is is does that showing inherent weakness in any academy system that when players are needed, there's no there's never enough players in the academy good enough to step into the first team, even just for a, a couple of games. You you, you mentioned this. You mentioned that, Tony, about what Ronald has said mm. and Phil, you touched on this on Saturday, didn't you, about talking about our policies being when we've needed players, younger players, we've gone out and bought, mm. bought them. Oh, you mean Yeah, and Holgate and stuff it's it's like Royal that, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, play, yeah, 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 you know, and I, I, that's the concern I've got about, which you said before, about the academy, that the difference you now years ago, where you could bring three or four young, from players from the reserves, younger players in for the short term... When, and you don't appear to be able to do that now, um, and then consequently, you know the players who've come in for us. Um, you know, over the last two or three years, have been players we brought in, haven't we, for yeah. two or three million quid, rather than bringing academy players. It's the it's the deli the classic deli. Adi, yeah. deli the ones that've gone in like and stayed, in, stayed in. in. Yeah, yeah. And, and that
3: Tom, who's, who would be the. Yeah, ex-
0: that, yeah, and Cavaloon and and, well, has, has been coming from outside, doesn't yeah. he? And that's the concern, mm. which is maybe what Ronald was alluding to, but also shows, I think, how the academy system, just generally speaking, not just talking about Evan, just doesn't appear to, to work properly, that you haven't got in the short term, like we've had issues, three, three or four players you can come in that you know would do a, do a job for It may not be long-term solutions, but can't just fill gaps. Mm. So you end up having to bring Aruna Kone on. On, on, on Saturday um, and, and that, that that needs to be looked at um, by all clubs but probably maybe ourselves
3: I think so I think what Everton as an example they do not want to lose their reputation because you mentioned as, as tough negotiators in the boardroom and I think it's absolutely right they maintain that because they don't want to be seen as soft touches and become in with greatest respect I look at it from the outside so I, you I know, don't don't claim to know that anything particular that's going on. But to me, West Ham in the last 18 months have just spent, they seem to have spent a lot quickly and they didn't seem to be, from the outside and looking at the troubles they're in now, there didn't seem to be any great strategy. They just seem to be paying top whack for players. Mm. Uh, you know what I mean? In that type of... Everton do not want to go into that, that, that problem where they're, they're having this problem solved by spending just money on anybody. Mm. But... As I said before, there has to be a degree of risk-taking for now. But the other side of that, fill is that
2: surely the boards are looking at this and thinking, Everton are seventh in the league. Now, the likes of Stoke and all these other teams that finished above them last season. Now, West Ham is another example, and it goes, list goes on. Everton finished 11, so you know the teams that finished above us last season. Now, Everton are above them yeah. with a great chance to literally cement that yeah, seventh yeah, spot yeah, yeah. and maybe even try and sneak into the sixth spot. Now, you're looking at him thinking, he's got every ounce of effort out of these players that he's been left with. Now, surely to God, I'd, the list is endless of players we've been linked with. Just spend a few quid, we're not asking for... This. Morgan Schneider, if it was like 10 million extra, then yeah, fine. It's 2 million quid. And I've yet to see an Everton fan, obviously on social media, there's no
0: gates to go by, but
2: every single Everton fan I know is happy with Morgan Schneider. Yep. So, I I, I just agree. it's a no-brainer yeah. for I, me I, at all. I,
0: you don't know what the plans are for the rest of the chance to window as well. I mean if you're or like all right one player, but if you end up seven or eight players paying two million over the odds, well to every one of them. That's part of the and o- and also mean. one of the things is is, is is it tied into the financial fair players and then I think you know that that's the thing we need to bear yeah. in mind in terms of our overall strategy of, of paying, you know, it's been for players it's been made quite clear that we have to live within those those boundaries. Mm. So yeah, it's great to go on, buy players and know pay market value for them and maybe even a little bit more if means get get them but at the same time you've got that yeah. that that thing of financial fair play so anywhere we you know four if there's four or five players where you can take a million or a couple of million off their fee it just helps you live within those uh, restrictions so i think you said in the summer i think it's the end of january when we need to pass final judgments well, oh, ten, I, 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 know think, that, I know that Gav I but we say, see frustrations Tony totally certainly
2: we, we spoke yeah. here months and months ago and we said we've got to have two or three signings in in the first week of January we've got to have them it's the 10th of January and we've signed a kid
1: from Charlton are you talking about because obviously Gav's taking a longer look at it and saying judge them at the end but you're saying players that would come in to help in the fixtures in January of course yeah, of yeah. course well, well, no, you, yeah. you've got games coming up now yeah
0: yeah,
1: exactly well. and we, if we
2: if we're bringing Runa Kone on and leaving Garrett Barry on the pitch for 90 minutes, then w- are we going to do that against Manchester City next week? Because yeah. no. we'll get
0: an absolutely annihilated. No, I, so, what's the point? Yeah, I, I see. Too, and I think some of the frustration on Saturday with supporters, quite justifiably perhaps, was the fact that Leicester brought the lads in from Genk, hadn't he? Yeah. Who mm. yeah. came in last A week, played, game, yeah, yeah. who yeah. came in and played well. Yeah. Which when you're thinking, well, actually, because of have had Snyder up against him, exactly. you know what I mean? It, so I can understand frustrations. I you can. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're, yeah, look, you're looking
2: yeah. at Ronald Koeman as well, and from that from that press conference, it's look, you, you just it stinks to me as if not all is going to plan here. For the fans looking at that, are thinking this could go either one way. If he doesn't get his own way here with these transfers, he'll walk. Was,
1: how could you blame him? It was really interesting to to have um, a manager who, who played it that way. I mean, Roberto Martinez didn't play it that way. David Moyes was cute how he did it. Would actually often moan and uh, bitch and moan about the money or relative lack thereof that he had. But he'd do it, he'd do it kind of in in ways. He'd either brief the media off the record or he'd complain and, you know, sort of, he'd couch it a little bit, wouldn't he, Phil? He'd be a bit, yeah, yeah. bit cute but how he did it, is what I'm trying to say, a bit inarticulately. Ronald Kuman basically hung. Them yeah, out to drive, didn't he? he and said, You can anyone with their eyes can see what, what happened today, yeah. and that we need these players. Now, I've noticed a lot of people have sort of been left subsequently in a little bit of confusion fans, this is about what exactly he meant. And I understand that because, to an extent, <laughs> all right, it's refreshing to have that honesty, but it has left a vacuum now where Ronald hasn't said anything for a few days. His next press conference is on Friday. What exactly was he getting at? Was he blaming? Was he hinting at not seeing eye to eye with Steve Walsh, and that was the, the the only problem? Is he talking about the fact that they're dragging their feet with haggling United over Schneiderlin? In a way, he opened was a it pa- all of it. was it all of it, and and yeah. he opened a Pandora's box there. And it's very yeah. interesting to have a manager who was willing to do that. And uh, maybe it won't be the first time he speaks his mind in such a manager during the window. Yeah. I think.
2: Sorry, Gav, I think that I think he's basically questioned the boards ambition to sound these players. He's, he's obviously give the board a list of players. So listen, I want these. If you want to improve Everton, I want these players. Now if you aren't getting me them, well I'm not going to improve the football club. So whatever it takes, you know like saying yeah we'll spend 30 on sissoko in the summer and all this. It never happens. So we we've spent John Stone's money. So effectively they haven't spent a penny on Santa Fe's at all. So when you're looking at it thinking, well if you're saying you got you we're ambitious and we want to be in the top six and we're looking to do this and that. Well, first of all, show, show
1: some ambition yeah. in the transfer, window. All, all I, look, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate because, not that it, I should have to underline mm. it, because I think it's clear that, well, I hope it would be clear that I was made up, Cooman came in, I think yeah. he was the right manager to take everything forward, but you've always got to remember that he still does have to hold his hands up at certain times. You, know, you can't go out to the FA Cup in the third round or home to a team who aren't really fully invested in it and go, well, it's all the board's fault.
2: No, I, I totally agree. And
1: what I, what I would say as well is that, you know, Ashley Williams, in a way, with me and Phil discussing it earlier, overall he's been a good signing, but his limitations, as they are, were brutally exposed by Leicester and that substitution. Yeah. So maybe someone on the board could say, well, hang on a second, you, I would assume it was Koobman, pushed hard to bring Williams in for £12 million. And there, you know, certainly the second goal, he was absolutely, you know, just... Torn asunder by mm. a direct run, it wasn't rocket science the way they got in behind him. So, I, sometimes I, I think Cumin has to be a bit careful because he has got to hold his hands
0: up in certain cases. I, I know what you're well. saying. I think sometimes you'll always look at it from our perspective. I think we've we scored their second goal on Saturday, you said that was a good goal. Yeah. yeah, I think you know what I mean. I think so. You know, I, th- I think we always overstate our own strengths, but you know, uh, understating Maybe, when yeah. the opposition do Maybe. good things. It's always, it's always. We always say you know everything's within our gift within the football pitch. Sometimes people do actually play well and put good moves against. Mm. Uh, I thought the first goal was probably more of a, you know, more yeah. in that category. I would I would say I, I
3: agree to an extent with what you say, Greg. About Ronald has to there've been definitely been occasions where he has not performed in certain games and, and through little periods as well as he should have done. And I think he alluded to that. But equally. And I'm probably minded to agree if this was his standpoint. He, w- he would go, if anybody was questioning what he's done at Everton. he would just go, you look at the Premier League table, haven't really added to the squad that much. And we're seventh. You know, this team finished 11th the past two seasons. We haven't even been playing particularly well and I've got a seventh. Give me some decent players and we'll, we'll go only in one direction.
0: So he'd probably go, well, look where we are. Yeah, can't can't dispute that whatsoever. So going back to the other point I was going to raise and that this has come up quite a bit this week, is this the end of our season or going back to what I was saying before about buying our new house and the <laughs> no need to build lots lots of foundations and stuff, is it, or is this just the start? Does actually the, the start of the next start, season, fifteen month <laughs> season <laughs> Does the, actually the season start here in terms of you no know, this longer term view we were talking about in last week's pod because yeah. of the, the, the general meeting and having the stages, saying three years time, the work Needs to be done in those three years. Is that, to me, that hard work starts now. It's yeah. not the end of the season and in some respects, as I say, it's the start of the season. What? What's, what's I, 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 fe- I got that impression
3: and that feeling from the whole, um, the whole uh, Southampton game, first game of the new year, decent win against a side who were pushing you for seventh, mm. and that's the feeling I got. And I don't think it's 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 a double edged thing. Yeah, I think. The defeat in the FA Cup has really taken a lot of the shine over what will be the last four or five months of the season. And as I wrote in my stuff, what have we really got to look forward to other than maybe the odd victory and, and, and a sense of improvement on the pitch and some new players? Which is, you know, all good. But really, there's not there's going to be much to get supporters off the seats. But equally, as you say, Gav, maybe it has to be seen as the start of, of something. And And we spoke months ago, didn't we, about... Wanting to see momentum built, yeah, like um, you know, Liverpool did under Rodgers in that that season before they challenged, almost won the title. Yeah. They went a great run in the second half of the season. Yeah. It was almost like, I'd say the pressure was off because the pressure is still very much on Everton. But they used it, didn't they? Absolutely. And I, and I think as much, you know, I was hugely disappointed after Saturday, and I think that was reflected in all our stuff. You know, our, we all spoke, but and once we've come out of this window touch wood with the players he wants, I think we might be sitting here reflecting a little bit more
1: positively.
0: I, I think so. What do you think, sir? I think,
1: you know, given that there's probably, well, there's every point in the sense that we're entitled to feel, as Phil said, and you said, totally downbeat about what happened. But if you can give yourself the benefit of looking in a bit of perspective, if we do finish the season doing what Liverpool did in that first season under clock and by the end, I think you've said this before. By the end of this season, we're seeing Ronald, the the nucleus of what's going to be Ronald's team playing Ronald's way, mm. really kind of physical, combative, but entertaining football mm. that goes and outmuscles any of the opponents, um, and you can see the potential of what might happen next season after another summer of strengthening. Hopefully, then I think fans might be actually, yeah, we'll accept that. We can see p- tangible progress, but. It all feeds into, in order for him to get there, mm. this month is important.
3: Because also, don't, don't forget, we could realistically, depending on how the League Cup and the FA Cup go, be fighting for a place in Europe, yeah. seventh. So that's pretty exciting to me. Now, I know people say, oh, you naive saying that now for what we've just been through. But as I said, if we come out of the window and it's been a positive, strengthened, uh, we've strengthened, then fighting for, for the potential of, of getting into Europe next season is something to look forward to in many respects.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the other thing, disappointing thing about being knocked out the cup, it just deprives us of, of games, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, I think we've got next 12 weeks. We've got nine games. I think we last six weeks we played nine times. and the next 12 weeks we play up until the first week in April. When we only got nine games. We have to think of something to do on the pod over that for the start, <laughs> you know. But so I think that that's the thing, isn't it? So. Let gives us lesser opportunities to develop what we want to develop for next season. I think I think oh 0- oh six oh seven was the last time you're in this position where I think we went out, mm. um, at both cup competitions and we had nothing to play for from January. I might be wrong, but that that and we played really well. Then we already lost a game. I think we lost four out of the last twenty league games after mm. that. And the following year we got our like record points total at the time sixty five points under Moise and that was probably our best squad that we had. Yeah. Uh, certainly, over the last twenty-five years, thirty years. So hopefully, there's there's a little bit of um, you know lessons learned from that, and we can copy that. Maybe we can get some players in and, and get the right blends right, because we just haven't got that at the moment because of the shopping mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. I mean, going back to the start, I mean, Coleman, Berkeley, uh, Valencia behind Lukaku must be about the twelve different <laughs> trio yeah. players behind we've played behind Lukaku this yeah. season. So how can we expect to get a blend? and that's happening. I mean, I understand McDonald's trying to try different things, but the downside of that is you don't get a chance to, to create a pattern. And what we're saying is now we've got an opportunity to get players in to bring good, better quality players in to develop that pattern.
1: And uh, Spot on. And if by the end of the season we can see that pattern clearly, palpably, and results back it up as well, that'll be a positive. I just, I don't want to dwell too much on Saturday, <laughs> any further rather. But when, K- when Kone did come on, oh, my God, he looked completely and utterly more bereft of confidence than I've ever seen him. There were a couple of instances when we had credible attacks that could have led somewhere, and the lad just wilted. I almost felt sorry for him. You know, He did not want to know. He did not want to take a shot. Um, I think he is shot as a player. I think his confidence has vanished. The pace that he once had when he tore us apart in the same flaming competition when yeah. Under Martinez had long gone. And it's just another signing, and look, you know, you're going over old news, but another bad signing. It's been a poor signing from day one for me, um, and the fact that Ronald hasn't looked at him at all and then brings him on, on. I, you know, that like I wouldn't be surprised if there was a degree of, look, this is what I've got to, to deal with by, by bringing him on, because, you know, has he suddenly been shown stuff in training that suggests he can come on mm-hmm. and turn the game? 'Cause I certainly didn't see it on the pitch. I mean that
3: th- that theory that I spoke about didn't didn't come to me until as I said before we sat down here. But it, what I did what did strike me was when he brought Kone on was that it was a clear indication that they haven't they've got to play two forwards, by the way. And I think we'd seen that in flashes with Calvert Lewin against Southampton, flashes when Valencia has looked lively. And that was another um sort of moment to highlight the fact that, my God, do we need another striker?
0: Yeah, yeah. Fair, fair point, I mean, to be fair, I was just thinking about Koenig, Johnny Isinger I was probably saying, I well, didn't ever play like that against me? Like, <laughs> <laughs> he did him he did at the DW stage yeah, in, yeah, is, in 2012. Moist hook to But you know yeah, what, yeah. if you
1: look at that player from that game, because yeah. I was there, he was com- he's just not the same player. No, no. He but, smelled blood and he absolutely slew, zoomed down that wing, left Isinger blowing chunks. <laughs> and, and, yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: some would say that wasn't hard, like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and punished us no like Yeah, but going, that. going back to Phil's point in bringing Coney in. I mean, probably our best period of attacking football last year was probably yeah. in October, November, and, and where Coney just played yeah. behind Lukaku. Like Kevin was how wrong described it. Yeah, it, it was, was was strange enough, and and like I saw, it, yeah the three 0 at Southampton he played just behind, yeah. him, didn't he, and that. Uh, yeah, and maybe that's the way forward. I think so. um And maybe that's. With Kone, yeah, yeah, but that's <laughs> why younger, better Kona, yeah, yeah. Well, he was a better Kone. Yeah, well, that's why I would imagine Gabbiani was linked, wasn't he, in, yeah, the, in the summer? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure whether that's. Uh, I don't think it's of, It doesn't
3: appear to be much yeah. of a going out, to be honest. I think they've, they've cooled their interest on that one, but the area still remains a priority, doesn't it? So. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, it'd be nice to, to be able to report on uh, some incomings by the time of the next podcast. From um, Scary Spice, Tony was yeah. gone. <laughs> uh, Sporty Spice, Kirk Bride. would
0: be Posh.
1: Yeah. I'll be the ginger one. Um and Gav, Gav's from West Arby, so he can be Posh Spice. Yeah,
0: uh, Not uh, no, cheap root, yeah. And yeah, if you yeah, can yeah, if
1: you yeah. any of you can get to the bottom of Gav's Spice Scale's yeah. analogy there. It, it's then. A, it,
0: they mention in the one of the songs, don't they? Positivity. Yeah. Yeah. i had it, for had it on single yeah <laughs> i think i'm sure yeah you know.
1: and this man believe it or not is one of bbc radio mayor's music experts i i i don't know tell you what
0: check it out i'll, I'll tell you our next podcast i'll 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 tell you the song it's from yeah wannabe it might be yeah
1: that was all about you know affirmation and, yeah, and kind of like positivity. girl power yeah. is that what you were thinking
0: I think it was the first time i've ever heard the word positivity mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh,
1: and then we got Martinez as manager and you heard it too often yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway right thanks for listening and we'll be back uh, later on in the week